Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Well, hi, everybody. How are we doing today? Okay, first question. How many of you have already had a Thanksgiving meal? Oh, you're going to be a tough crowd. They're going to be sleeping. Nudge them. Wake them up. Way too much stuffing and cranberries going on here. And I know the rest of you, how many are going to have a meal today? Any meal. Yeah, there you go. All right, just checking. I think we're all going to eat. So I won't keep you longer than we need to because I know many of you got family plans. We're so delighted if you're a guest today. Welcome to Portico. Welcome online. Great to have you join us. Well, get your Bibles out. Get your apps out. Download the Portico app. You can track along or fill out the notes in the bulletin today. We've got a lot we're going to cover because we're in a series and it's called The Great Adventure. And as we're talking about the great adventure, we've been building week after week after week, and then Pastor Joe on Tuesday nights takes and expands on this, and he does our teaching, and so I encourage you to be a part of our Tuesday night. But today, we want to jump into what that little video bumper was talking about, which is this whole area of guidance. So here's a question. Who's your go-to? Who's your personal go-to when you need guidance and you want somebody to give you a little bit of guidance? Is it your mom? Is it your dad? Is it a colleague? Is it a spouse? Some co-worker that you have? Do you have a name in your mind? Wow, this can be hard, John. Hard crowd, hard, hard, hard crowd. Do you have a name in mind of who your go-to person is? Awesome. Turn to your neighbor, tell them who that person is. Real quick, go ahead, just tell them. Who's your go-to? If you're at home, tell yourself. That's all good. I think it would be fantastic if we could right now take all the collective conversation that's in the room, and if somehow we could distill the collective conversation to come, what are the top three sources of our go-to? Is it a spouse? Is it a colleague? Is it a friend? Or is it... Who? Jesus. Okay, well, that's the church answer. Okay, I'm done. We don't have to preach anymore. I'm all finished. Yeah, is, is God our go-to person. And that's really the essence of what we want to jump into today when we're talking about the great adventure, because for a lot of us, and I'm the same way, I'll get into situations and circumstances, and my go-to should be God. But often what I'll do is I'll go to, what's my experience? What's my background? What's my thought? Here's what I know. All of us, all of us, irrespective of our age, doesn't matter what we do, doesn't matter our background, we all need guidance. Except the man when he's driving a car. Have you ever noticed that? Not, not the man sitting in the car, the man holding the steering wheel. Men, can you, you handle this right now for a moment? Because it's true, isn't it? When you grab the steering wheel, testosterone like forces your fingers onto the wheel, right? Oh boy, you guys are really reluctant. I can see this. All the ladies are already with me. They know exactly where we're going. Men don't like guidance when they're driving a car. So if they're holding the wheel, why is it, men? Why are we like that? We grab the steering wheel and we'll make stuff up. You know, if we turn down the wrong street, you know, I really fully intended because I think there's probably an obstruction down the road. So we'll like make up stuff in the car and we don't want guidance when we're driving. In fact, how many of you have been in a car and you've heard the voice of the navigation system say, recap? 
calculating, recalculating. You ever notice it's only when a man is driving the car, not when the wives are driving, because they go, well, I trust that. Then the man goes, what do they know? So they'll just determine their own way. We all need guidance. And it starts from our very first days. If you think about it, even as infants. And so I started just to jot down some thoughts about this. How is it that we bring guidance into our lives? Because we want our kids. Like if you're a parent or a grandparent or a great-grandparent, you want your kids to benefit from your experience and your expertise, and so you want to offer guidance to them. So think for a moment about children. When children are born with infants, and I started to go through the stages of guidance this way, and I, I just, my personal thoughts, but with infants, they're fairly reliant. You know, Ah, they're there. You can offer them guidance, and they're easy to provide guidance to. Toddlers, things get a little bit different, right, Mom? Toddlers, things change. They're a little more inquisitive. They're cooperative, but you've got to keep redirecting them. You put them on their all fours, and they're gone. Like, they're just like, and then you redirect them this way, and they go back over this way. So they'll take guidance. They're cooperative, but they're just out there very inquisitive. And then they grow into children. Now, children are adventurous, and they're a little more passive to guidance. I'm going to get in trouble for a couple of these statements with my son, but as he was growing, we would want to offer guidance, and so we would want to help him with his coat, and we would get the immediate, you know, we try to zip up his coat in the winter, and he would have his hands down there, and he's moving his hands out of the way, and he would go, I can do this. Yeah, I can do it. And so kids... They start pushing back because they're a little more adventurous. They're passive to guidance. And then something happens. They become what we call preteens. Oh, we have a lot of parents in the room. Preteens reach what we call the testing stage. They're more resistive to guidance because when you try to offer it, your mental capacity is now greatly diminished from when they were first born. And they tell you, I know, I know, I know. And they repeatedly tell you, I know, they don't need your guides. And then they hit this adolescent stage where they are totally independent and they are dismissive of any kind of guidance. And they go, I don't need your... Oh, a lot of adolescent parents in the room too. I don't need your help. Interesting, isn't it? But it's not just our kids and it's not just our preteens and our adolescents. We all need guidance. Some of you are facing some very major life decisions. Sometimes it's a job relocation, and you go, if I relocate, that means uprooting my family from their school, uprooting my family from their church community, uprooting the friendship circles. Do I take the job? What's the impact on my family? Have you been in a moment where you've wrestled that through, and you go, realize my decision now actually affects a whole series of people, and I'm not sure what I should do about that. For others, you're looking at issues of business startups, and you go, it's going to be a huge financial investment. You're going to have to decide, do I want to liquidate all of my assets invested into a business startup and hope that in my business startup, I will still be able to pay off my bills and that the return is somehow going to come into play. And so you're risking your future on what you hope is going to be a very good prospect. And we need guidance in those moments to go, is this the right way to go? Or maybe it comes down to your university and your career choices and you firmly decided this is the trajectory that I want to go and then mom and dad lean into the world a little bit and they go, well, that's good, but you know, if you became a doctor, if you became a lawyer, if you became, and they start to sort of nudge you in another direction and you go, but that's not the direction I want to go. I I, I want to be a truck driver. Nothing wrong with being a truck driver. 
But there's an odds there, and how many parents have been at odds with their kids over their career choices in university, and so you start praying for guidance, and you go, how do I determine what the right way to go is? And what about marriage? Marriage is this exciting, challenging, scary relationship that we have in life. How many married people in the room? All right, do you remember the day that you, men, let's start with the men. Men, do you remember the day you proposed to that beautiful woman? Say yes, just say yes, that's Please, let's not get in any more trouble today. It's Thanksgiving. You do remember the day that you proposed, and you had it all planned out, and you were ready to go. Remember how you felt the nervousness of, this is till death do us part. Now, let's flip it around. Ladies, do you remember when he proposed to you? There are a few in the room you had to propose to him, but for the majority, I think we're still following custom. Do you remember the day he proposed to you, and he extended that ring towards you? And there was a little moment of hesitation, wasn't there? Be honest with me. You're going, is there someone better if I wait a little longer? Or is he my best option right now? And he's thinking that you're all caught up emotionally and you just don't have the words. And you're going, what's my risk ratio right here? Why do we do that? Because we need guidance. Because we recognize that when we say, will you be my wife, will you be my husband, that we're saying, would you be my life partner, that we will go through this journey together for the rest of our lives, in good and bad, in plenty and in want. We'll do it all together. And we're willing to step into that. And those are the moments where we really desperately seek to have guidance. Guidance is a part. It's crucial for success in life. There was a little article I read years and years and years ago by an author, and I wrote down his four statements. I thought they were so good. They were sort of the decision-making factors when it comes to success in life. And here's what he wrote. He said, you can make the wrong decision at the wrong time, and you'll end up in a disaster. Or you can make the wrong decision at the right time. That's just a mistake. Or you can make the right decision, but you could do it at the wrong time, and that's going to end up in a misunderstanding. Or you can do the right decision at the right time, and you're going to have success when it comes to your life. So guidance is critical to our lives. We have this God of the universe that goes, I want to be with you, and I want to speak with you, and I want to share with you. And when you think about this, this all-present, all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe, who is no longer this mystical, removed individual, but as we just sang about him, he's our good, 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 good father, goes, I want to guide you. Look in your notes, Psalm 32, 8. God says, I will instruct you, and I will teach you in the ways that you should go. God says, this is what I want to give you. I want to give you my perspective, my wisdom, my insight. I want to give this to you. Isaiah writes these words. He said that the Lord will guide you always. Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want God to be there forever, for God to be their go-to source? But here's what I know. I think often, though we say we want God to be our go-to, we do what I mentioned a few moments ago. We rely upon our experience, our past our wisdom, or maybe somebody else's advice, rather than saying, what does God have to say about this particular situation? And when we realize that God in this great adventure says, I want to be there in your journey, here's what amazes me. And that's why we talk about this, that that God wants to speak to us. God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to me. Now, that raises a whole bunch of questions. Well, how does he speak to me? How do I know it's the voice of God? How do I know I can trust 
what I think might be the voice of God in this particular moment. Now, I love technology. Anybody else with me? I love technology. We use it in the church. We use it through your apps. Take notes on it. When it works, I love technology. When it doesn't work, well, then we're in a different zone. But one of the things this past Christmas, my daughter by marriage gave my son Kyle, so Beth gave Kyle, one of these great little devices, a little bit bigger than a soda can, and it's called Google Home. Anybody seen these? Oh, yeah, Google Home or Amazon Echo, same idea. So he got this Google Home. And it connects to your internet, and the artificial intelligence in this works off a voice prompt. So you just put it on your counter and connect it up to your internet feed, and all you have to do is give it a voice prompt. You just say, okay, Google, what's the weather today in Mississauga? Then this beautiful, sweet voice comes on, and it goes, well, the weather today in Mississauga, it's going to be sunny and warm. It's a beautiful fall day. Don't listen to Pastor Joe. He said it was cold in Mississauga last Sunday. (laughs) Well, maybe it didn't say the second statement, but it did say the first And so we have this wonderful opportunity for going, and Google is connected through artificial intelligence to listen to your question and then quickly search out. You can even play games with it, and it'll question you and work back and forth. So if you want to have a little bit of fun, you know, just go enjoy this. But I think in many ways, we start thinking about God very much like Google Home or Amazon Echo. So when we're speaking to God, we're kind of, okay, God. What about this? Is that how God works? Does God work off the limitations of artificial intelligence and the internet? Or does this all-powerful creator work in such a personal dimension that he goes, I want to just speak with you. I want to relate to you. I want to open my heart and spirit up to your heart and to your spirit. And so we know that God longs to speak to us. He's not constrained by any of the limitations that we already are aware of. So in your notes, let me give you a couple of thoughts that I want you to take away. First off, God does speak to us, and he speaks to us in a variety of ways. Because a lot of people go, I don't know if God speaks to me. So what I want to do is make sure that we all understand this, that God does speak to us, and he speaks in a variety of ways. And I'm going to go through this quickly. Don't panic, those of you that opened up the notes and you saw, look at all the material. We will have you out by next Thursday, so we're covered. God does speak to us in a variety of ways. Real quickly, let me share a couple of them with you. First one in the blank there is fill out the word the Bible. The Bible was never meant to be some mysterious, cryptic, archaic source of information. It was never meant to be left in original languages. It was supposed to be given so that the people could read, the people could understand, the people could hear and respond to the voice of God. And the Bible is often left to the sidelines because we actually don't know if what's in the Bible is understandable. And what we're discovering is, unfortunately, we're seeing the rate of biblical illiteracy skyrocket because people are no longer sourcing the Bible to be able to discover what God is saying. And yet the Bible tells us that it's God's Word. In your notes, 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and for training in all kinds of righteousness. In other words, the Bible is relevant, the Bible is practical, and the Bible is God speaking to us. But he can only speak if we actually open it up and read it. So we have to have access and we have to look at what God is saying to us. In the Bible, God speaks to us about relationships. Did you know this? 
He talks about the importance and the value of relationships. He talks about the importance of what it is to give to one another. He talks about the importance of dealing with issues that cause hurt and frustration. That when you are angry, that you don't allow a 24-hour window of time to pass by. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Why does God say that? Because God understands how we're wired up and how misunderstanding and relational breakdown occurs that if we're not quick to resolve then we will start to create separation and we'll start hiding like we did in the book of Genesis. We hid from God, we hid from each other. And God says, don't let the sun go down where you're angry. The Bible's filled with God speaking to us. In the Bible, God talks about business principles, about planning and priorities, managing and leading, HR, equity, fairness, how to deal with a boss that's unfair, how to deal with a coworker that's obnoxious. You're going, what page, what chapter, what verse? <laughs> Got to find it. In the Bible, God speaks to us about money how to earn it, how to spend it, how to save it, how to keep it, how to give it away and be happy about it. Oh, I didn't think you'd respond to that one. You're way too Canadian to be happy about giving away money. See, that's the thing. God says, did you know that you will find incredible joy as you give away your resource? Now he says, hey, earn it, spend it, save it, know how to do it wisely, but discover the joy of generosity And Jesus talked about this, that your temporal goods are nothing compared to your eternal values. And often it's what you give to empower others that God says, and that's what I take notice of. So when you give to make a difference, God says, now you got it. And now you're really beginning to live. And God speaks to us through this way. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive and active. It's all there. It's in his word. Friends, if you're new to the journey of faith, and even if the Bible seems like a big mystery to you, Open it up and go to the New Testament. Just start reading. Read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and let his word become alive to you. The psalmist said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not, what? Sin against you. Often we get caught up in the word sin, but that's not what I focus on. The psalmist said, I've hidden your word in my heart. Why did he do that? Because his word speaks. His word speaks. And as we hide his word, we read his word, and we study his word, God begins to speak to us. Now, it's an interesting thing when you look at this. How many of you have ever played Bible roulette? Nobody's going to raise their hand anyhow, so here we go. So this is my Bible. I'm using an iPad today, and I have all of the different versions with me, but I have my Bible here. Have you ever taken your Bible and go, I'm not quite sure what God wants me to do, so today, and you flip the page and you land there, and that's my verse for the day? Okay, we're all tracking together. That's not always a good thing to do. For instance, if you're fighting with your brother and you're busy in a full-blow, knock-em-down, beat-em-up kind of a tussle, and you open up the Bible to Ecclesiastes 9.10, the Bible says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. (laughs) That's not God telling you to pummel your brother. Okay, you understand this. But people do this. They just arbitrarily pull a verse out and they go, whoa. God, thank you. I didn't like my brother anyhow. So some of you, what was that reference? Ecclesiastes, what? Find it yourself. But the Bible is meant to be an open source of God's word speaking into our lives. It's so, so powerful. Number two, write it down. God speaks to us not just through the Bible, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. See, when we became followers of Jesus, and if you're on the journey of faith, welcome. Love the fact you've got questions, you're here, you're walking it through. But when you become a follower of Jesus... The Bible says a couple of things. God tells us this. He said, number one, Jesus paid the price for our sin. Our sins are forgiven. So he says, you are a brand new... Let me try that. You are a brand new 
creation. You're a little hesitant. Brand new person. God says, I make you new. I make your spirit new. So we go, okay. Everybody with me? Okay so far? But it's more than that. He said, and I put my spirit in you as a seal, as a deposit, as a guarantee of who you are and what's to come. So God says, my spirit now lives in you. Now, for some of you, you're going, whoa. Think about that. As a follower of Jesus, his spirit is alive in you right now. Did you know this is perhaps the most untapped source of conversation that we have with God? Is that we actually don't think about the fact that we are vessels. The Bible says that we're vessels, we're containers, we hold this glory within us. The spirit of God lives within us. Friends, when you begin to understand that, it changes how you think about yourself. When God forgave you, he gave you a great gift, his presence with his spirit so that you could commune with God. And he goes, and when you don't know what to say, Paul would even say that sometimes there are groans and utterances. How many of you ever groan? You will after Thanksgiving dinner. There, there are groans and utterances that you don't even know how to pray. And he goes, and my spirit will pray through you. And if we could get this, that God desires to speak to us, and he speaks to us by our spirit. And there are days that even in my own life, I'll be driving down the road. And I'll let you in on a little bit of insight. I'll be driving down the road, and I'll be having a conversation with God. And sometimes I do it audibly. So I'll just be talking because I, I recognize this. I recognize that I need to make God my go-to. And so I'll have a conversation. I go, Holy Spirit, I know you're here, you're present. And I know that God has placed your spirit, his spirit within my life so that I can have a conversation. So I'll be talking. People will be driving by going, whoa, somebody pull him over. He should be checked in. Have you ever seen anybody doing that? And you know they're not on the cell phone. So wouldn't it be cool if all of us just began to talk to God through his spirit every day? You guys up for an experiment? On the go train, tomorrow, no, Tuesday, because we're off tomorrow. On the go train, in your car, walking down the street, let's all just stop talking to God. We'll all, I'll meet you at the hospital, because they'll round us all up, and they'll bring us all together. But if we really, truly believe that His Spirit resides in us, we will tune our spirit to His Spirit, because we recognize that God wants to speak to us. John 16, 13, it says, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak His own, but He will speak only what He hears, and He will even tell you what is yet to come. So God says, I'm speaking. You don't have to go, okay, God. He goes, no, I'm there. I'm there right now, and I want to speak, and I want to speak through my Spirit to be able to speak to you. That's part of this great adventure. And some people go, yeah, but I hear people say, well, the Spirit said... And they were weird. Anybody have those conversations? The Holy Spirit was telling me to do this. And you go, oh, really? I don't know about that. Can I remind you that the Holy Spirit will never tell you to do something that is, will contradict God's word? That's the balance point right there. The Spirit speaking will never contradict what's written in his word. If somebody comes up to you and go, well, I think God's telling me that I chose the wrong partner, so I'm going to change partners in life. That's a contradiction to God's word. And you go, that's not the Holy Spirit speaking. I don't know which spirit you got, but it's not God right now. So the balance point is God will never contradict himself through his word or through his spirit. So we can trust him. There's another way that God speaks to us, and it's through, in your notes, godly counsel. Godly counsel. It's the counsel of others, men and women, young people, seniors, People who have experienced and lived and learned to trust God, they've gone through multiple life circumstances, 
and they understand how God works. Proverbs 12, 15, it says, a wise man or a wise individual will listen to advice. That when you're facing huge challenges or you just face uncertainty, we went through a whole list, whether it's a business venture or a relationship adventure, whether it's a career choice, no matter what you're going through, that you don't try to navigate it on your own. And there are people that I know, they'll just try to go, well, if God would just tell me personally. And sometimes God will whisper and give you that. And other times he goes, no, you have to learn how to bring godly counsel into your life and be a part of it. I love what Yusuf told us this morning. He reminded we're family. And family believes in family, and we help one another, don't we? And so we give the best counsel. And if we don't know how to counsel a person, then we go, let me pray about that. Let me see what I sense, and let's see together, and then let's put it before the Lord. And so godly counsel is a wonderful way. Proverbs 20, verse 18, it says, Make plans by seeking advice. Don't be independent. Don't try to do it on your own. Don't try to figure it out without bringing others into the story because their experience can save you some great heartache. And so I go to all kinds of people, but can I, I can tell you, Laura, my wife, is my first go-to on a lot of these because I know she's got my best interest at heart as well. So I'll open up and I'll talk to her about pretty much anything that I'm going to face and go, what are you thinking? Let's just pray about this. Because the two becoming one, then I got somebody to blame when it goes wrong. See, I kind of figured it out. But, but then I got to blame myself because we are married together. But no, I, I go to Laura because I trust her counsel and I know that she will pray about that. And I can go to whether, my IT stuff, I'll go to my son. He's going to figure it out quicker than I'm going to figure it out. But I have pastoral colleague friends that I'll go to. I have senior leaders in churches that I'll go to. And I have trusted friends that I can talk to. That's how God speaks to me through the counsel of others. And the other blank I want you to fill in this morning is this one. God will even speak through circumstances. He uses his word, he uses his spirit, and he uses people. But there are times when it's our very circumstances by which God is speaking to us. Proverbs 20, 24 says, A man's steps are directed by the Lord. Now I hear a phrase, and I know we use it kind of casually, but I just want to challenge it a little bit. So I'll hear this phrase quite often, and it says, Well, that was just a coincidence. See, I think if our hearts are aligned and we're listening to the voice of God, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it's a providential circumstance. And what we attribute to be a coincidence is actually God orchestrating and moving because the Bible says that the steps of a righteous man, of righteous people, are going to be led or directed by God. And so that even in my circumstances, God is speaking and leading me if I'm alert and attentive to what he's doing. Proverbs 23.3, it says that God will guide me in the paths of righteousness. That means that in the pathway, there's often circumstances that I may not understand, but those circumstances are still God speaking to me and leading me. And so we have this wonderful way that God's speaking to us. So a question I often will be asked then, all right, why can't I hear God's voice? You ever heard that? Why can't I hear God's voice? If he uses his word and he uses his spirit and he uses people and he uses circumstances, I feel like I just can't hear his voice. So to help you out, we recruited some of the best experts. We consulted a panel of experts to ask them, how does God speak to us? Do you want to know how? Watch the screen. He can speak to you in your heart or in visions or maybe somewhere in the middle of the city. Like in your dreams or 
in different ways. Even when like, you're quiet by yourself. When you're hurt, like you could feel something in you that's rising up. You're praying. God can answer your prayers in like a different way. So like you pray, then he answers your prayer in your heart. He can speak to you in your dreams when you are afraid of something and you want to and you're afraid, you can just ask him and he can speak through your dreams just to let you know that everything's okay. So we can trust him and then believe in him more and help us. Stuff like that. With a deep voice, like Jacob. And I think it would sound humble and like uh, like he's speaking a lullaby to a baby. Sounds soft and kind. <laughs> well, pretty much what he said, actually. His voice would sound soft and kind and gentle, like he wasn't angry with you for any reason. And God. <laughs> I think God's voice would be. Just a little deep, but just kind as well, and um, a little bit of soft, because he doesn't want to be too mean. He doesn't want to be mean, because God is always kind, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? I love how kids try to put into words how God speaks. I love that little guy. He gets that big, you know, try to get that deep. We have all these images, right, these impressions. We see how movies communicate to us about God speaking. But how does God speak? How does he speak to you? And I want you to write in your notes as we go into this that God speaks to us in a way that we can understand. God will speak to us in a way that we can understand. Now think about you as an individual. And often what we try to do is we go, well, then God's going to speak to them the same way he's going to speak to me. Now, sometimes God speaks to us in different ways. Let me share a few of them with you as you fill them in the notes here. First way is God will speak through nature. So the Bible is very clear about this. Psalm 19, 1 to 4, it says that the heavens will declare the glory of God. How many of you love going outside and just looking up into the stars? Apart from Joe, he's already got his hands up. He's got his telescope out. He's, he's already there. In fact, Tuesday night, just come on down. God speaks through nature, and some people love. They just commune with God through nature. They go outside, and they walk. They love going out through the trees in the forest or down by a lake, and they just feel God's presence and hear God speak in such powerful ways. How many went out last night saw that full moon, or mostly a full moon? Beautiful out last night. And I walk out, and I just admire it. And again, I feel that sense of God's presence in that. God speaks to us through visions. If you look in the Scriptures, you'll find repeatedly, whether it was Isaiah or John or whether it was Paul or even it was Peter, that God would speak in the way of visions. Peter went up on the roof to pray. He was hungry. He fell asleep. God spoke through a vision. And God repeatedly reminded him that the Gentiles were going to become a part of this great movement of mission. And Peter heard from God through that. Acts chapter 2, 17, it says in the last days that God says, I will pour out my spirit and your young men will see what? Visions. How many of you are young men today? All right, we have seven. Good. Hold on to that. God will also speak to us, what? Through thoughts and impressions. Amos four thirteen. it says, he who forms the mountains, who creates the wind, and who reveals his thoughts 
to mankind. Sometimes it's just that inner nudge, that inner pulse of the Spirit where you go, where did that come from? How did I know that? That was the Holy Spirit revealing the thought of God. God speaks to us through dreams. Any daydreamers in the room? I mean, any dreamers in the room? God speaks to us through dreams. Genesis 31, 24 says, God came to Laban the Aramean through a dream at night, and he said to him, Genesis 37, 5, God spoke to Joseph in a dream. He spoke to Gideon through a dream. He spoke to Joseph, Mary, Mary, because this is of God. Go ahead and follow through on this. And the son born to him, and it came through a dream that he knew that he was to do this. Acts 2.17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit, and your old men will dream. dream. Who will dream the dreams? How many of you didn't raise your hand for the first one? <laughs> you now know whether you're young or whether you're old. I gave you the option earlier. I just want to say it was out there for you. How does God speak, and how can I hear the voice of God? Write this down, audible voice audible voice. We know that God does speak through an audible voice. Elijah struggling to connect with the voice of God, and he was on a mountaintop, and the powerful wind, and the powerful fire, and everything that transpired, and then a still, small voice, and he goes, ah, I hear God. Saul persecuting the church. Holy Spirit confronts him, and Saul hears God speak to him. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? God will speak in a way that we understand. So here takes us to the last blank I want you to fill out. God speaks, but are we listening? Are you listening? When you think about this most profound aspect of the great adventure that that God is not only able to, but he says, I want to speak with you directly. I, I want to be able to share my thoughts with you. If we're not hearing from God, then it would seem to me that it's probably not God where the line of interference is drawn. A couple of years ago, um, we had, you know, in our home, we were, we'd moved to a new home. And as we'd moved in, we'd downsized and we're sort of getting set to a different stage of life. And one of the things, this is me, I'm Scottish, I'll confess. One of the things that irritated me is every month I would get my cable TV bill, whether it was, you know, from the dish or from the cable, I tried both sources, and I would look at the amount, and I would go, <gasps> and it just, yeah, I hated that. I'd look at the amount of money that I was paying, and I, I we really don't watch a lot, and when we do watch, I would go, I don't want to see the same thing on 15 different time zones. I, I would like to be able to choose what I want to watch. Anybody tracking? Yeah. So I did what many of you probably have done. I said, okay, I'm done with this. I'm not going to watch anymore. Well, that didn't work, because now we had nothing, and it was like, I need something, So I checked out the -the over-the-air antennas. You know what that is? That's the old style. We're going old school. I put an antenna up on the roof because what I know is it's still required to broadcast digital signals. So I went down, investigated it, found out how to position my antenna, and the guy told me, you can put it on your roof, you can put it up in the attic, wherever you want, make sure you direct it, watch for trees, watch for obstructions, make sure that nothing's going to cause interference, Make sure you connect it in. Make the cable connected. Here's what I discovered at the end of it. When I hooked it all up and fired it up, 25 digital channels. I was like, I'm in heaven and I'm not paying for any of it. That's the best day for me in my life when I don't have to pay for it. You know what I learned from that? Those digital signals were constantly being streamed out. I just hadn't tapped into them. So every day I lived in the house, I never took opportunity to receive what was already available. And I could not help but think that for many of us, when it comes to hearing the voice of God, we're like that. 
that God is speaking, and he's speaking in a myriad of ways, ways that we can understand, but what we haven't determined how to do is how to make sure that our antenna is in the proper receptor mode, that our heart and our spirit and our life is in a place that we're hearing from God, that we do like Jesus. We slow down the frenzied pace of our life and get into a rhythm where we set aside time to go, God, just speak to me. And maybe it's over a coffee in the corner of your living room with just some quiet music, or maybe it's out on a walk somewhere where you just have this connection to God. But if we don't slow our lives down and if we're not intentional about it, most of us will go through life asking the question, why can't I hear the voice of God? Friend, the fault is never on God's side. It's always on our intentionality to dial in and tune in to the voice of God. So God is speaking, but are we listening? I pray that on this adventure, we now know you have personal access to hear from God directly, and I love that about our God. Amen? So let's pray together. Stand to your feet with me today, and let's pray. Father, your word declares that you stand at the door and you knock. A young boy by the name of Samuel heard your voice, inquired of an aging priest, what is this that I hear? And the priest finally realized that this is the God of the heavens speaking to a young soul, a young heart, and he said, here's what you do. Say, speak, Lord, for I am listening. So my prayer for all of us today, those online, those in the room, those listening to this message later, that we would realize today that, Father, you don't hide from us. And your voice is echoed from eternity past, and it's still speaking today. So may you speak, and may we listen. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.